Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugging the Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsey.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. The uh, December 4th baseball winter meetings that I've gone to several times, not recently, but I enjoyed uh, circulating at the baseball winter meetings. I remember one time they were here, but I've traveled for them as well. Used to see Cyberger at those baseball winter meetings. A lot of stuff went on besides <laughs> it's just winter meetings. They were an eclectic agenda there. But one of the things they do is that the contemporary baseball era player ballot is going to be reviewed and voted upon at the meetings. So there's a, a committee that looks at players who have not been elected by the baseball writers for 15 years. So they've gotten bounced out and now they can only, it's like the old veterans committee. And so they've narrowed it down to eight. It's Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Don Mattingly, Fred McGriff, Dale Murphy, Rafael Palmero, and Kurt Schilling. And that was alphabetical order. <laughs> the voting is interesting because the only way you can be elected is if you get 75% of the ballots that are cast. And so there's these uh, committees have, I think, 10 or 12 or 15. Let's say they have 12. So you've got to get nine or more out of 12. That's hard. It's not just who you vote for. It's who you don't vote for. And you can only vote for, I believe, three people. So you can vote as many as three and you don't have to vote for any. You could vote for one or two or zero or three. But if everybody voted for three, you could get, I guess the most you could get mathematically is four. But practically speaking, that would just be almost a, a statistical impossibility. It's possible, but everybody would have to vote for the same four guys and three-fourths of them for each one of the four. So that's how they could work. Every ballot would have to be just... Uh, those four guys. So the guess is probably it's going to be two or three. I'm thinking there'll be two. And I want to give you my reasoning on that. I love going to the Hall of Fame, but who's on the committee and who does the voting is also important because they know the players, not just by reputation, but every sense. Yeah, 16 members of that committee. And they're looking at people that played primarily between 1980 to the present. So each of these guys fits that bill. So let's do them in order here. First is Albert Bell, Joey Bell, when he came up, played at LSU. I've got his college card. In fact, that may be what I put on my card wall. But he had a great run. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. He was not popular, really not that popular with collectors for the most part, and not that popular with sports writers either. Just, I think his name change pointed out was one of the things that came up when we were doing the price guides is that you have to list his name. And so the card says Joey in some of those years, but in the searchability, so we had some dilemmas of how to treat some of those things. And so I think ComC has that same situation that Rich deals with. Is it, are you going to list the card by exactly how it's listed on the front or by how they are known? But he had a great run. One of the things I look at is when I look at these eight guys is who's, I've said this, who's in the dollar box? And the more it's proportional to your Hall of Fame chances. In other words, the more likely somebody is to be a Hall of Famer, the less likely they are to be in a dollar box or any other denomination because they're higher demand. Uh, so if they're in there, if there's a bunch of Kurt Schillings in there, that says the hobby doesn't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Same thing with uh, Rafael Palmero. But staying with Albert Bell, again, I just don't know that he was surly, but I think that was 
some perception there. But he had a seven-year run from 92 to 98, which is for the most part before the PEDs, I think. But in those seven years, his MVP balloting, he came in 23rd, but then he came in seventh, then third, then second, then third, and then didn't make it in 97, and then 98, he was eighth. So those three years, he was in the top three in the league. And to me, that's, we'll get to that with the Dale Murphy, is that anybody that's winning MVPs, that says they were the best player in that league for that year. You do two in a row or in your top three. That is clearly excellence to be in the top three, three years in a row. Is that enough? Is that sustained for a long enough period? Or do you get to the Sandy Koufax rule? Again, Albert Bell, I don't think he's going to make it. And it's partly because I just don't think there are that many Albert Bell player collectors. Otherwise, they'd be swooping him up right now in hopes that he makes the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's going to make it. Barry Bonds, on the other hand, the second name on the list, I just can't imagine he's not going to make it. When I did some analysis, not heavy-duty analysis, but I thought, I know by 98... There was a lot of PED, steroid, whatever, the, the different enhancements, pharmaceutical kinds of things going on with in baseball. But Perry Bonds is great before that. He won an MVP in, in 1990. He was second in 91. He won again in 92 and 93. He was winning gold gloves. So this is before... Before, if he was doing it back then, that his appearance changed in later years, and I don't think it was changed by then. So, just in that four-year run of being the best player in baseball, is that enough to get in the Hall of Fame just for his pre-performance PED stats? I think it is, and I, th I think he, I think he's eventually going to get in. And he's not getting the hobby love that he could have. Does the in the Hall of Fame fix that? I don't know. There's still people that have hard feelings because he just it was his own person. When you went to the game and Barry Bonds was there, you didn't go to the bathroom when he was coming up to hit. You waited until you wanted to see history. Certainly the last 10 years of his career when he was just crushing them all. Roger Clemens, the third name on the list, same thing. Uh, you would want to know if his team was coming, it was the Yankees or the Red Sox or whoever he was on a bunch of teams. But if they were coming in town to play the Rangers, that would be the game to go. And that was true early in his career, and that was true later in his career. But what he did before 1992, again, before all this, he won a Cy Young in 86. He won a Cy Young in 87. He came in sixth in 88. He didn't place in 89. But then in 90, he came in second. In 91, he won again. In 92, he was third. So during that seven-year period, which is 86 to 92, before people were as concerned about these PEDs, he's already established a Hall of Fame-worthy run there. To me, he gets in. I think he will eventually get in. People are really frustrated at the hard line, the stance that he's taken. On the other hand, Hall of Fame statistics, absolutely for sure. If he had just stopped then, he was an amazing pitcher. Mattingly, same thing. Had a great run for six years, MVP. If somebody was the top 10 of the league consistently for five or six years, to me, that's a Hall of Fame level career, unless you completely drop off. And he didn't completely drop off, but he was fifth in MVP in 84, won it in 85, second in 86, seventh in 87, didn't place in 88, but then 15th in 89. And then I think he was slowing down after that. But And I don't like it when players get extra bonus points for being a manager, no matter how good a manager you are. I think the Hall of Fame ought to be for, you ought to come in as a player, and then if you want to come in as a manager later, you could come in as a manager later. I don't want him to take into account the other things. Dusty Baker probably was a really good player and a really good manager. 
I'm wondering if he's going to make it as a manager now with the championship. Perhaps he will. He'd be another one that would be a possible uh, exceed expectation guy. Fred McGriff, I've always been down on him. I've always thought that he just has a catchy nickname, the crime dog, but a little bit of a vagabond. I think I've held that against him, that he played on six teams. So he really has no natural constituency. He had the big trade where he was traded with Tony Fernandez, who also was a really good player at the time, for another outfielder-infielder combo, which was not outfielder, another big hitter like Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar, the infielder. If it was Carter for for Fred McGriff, both those guys, I think, are almost Hall of Famers. Uh, On the other hand, doing my MVP run, if you go from 88 to 95, which is eight years, (laughs) he comes in 17th in 88, 6th in 89, 10th in 90, 10th in 91, 6th in 92, 4th in 93, 8th in 94, and then 20th in 95. So he's in the top 20. But what you notice from those numbers there is that a lot of them he's not in the top 10. He's the 10th or 17th or 20th. I really make a distinction. If you're in the top 10 of the MVP voting, then that's my list of somebody that I think was exemplary and somebody worthy of Hall of Fame consideration. Perhaps there are other things. But he moved around a lot. A lot of the trades, he wasn't traded for other superstars. And so I'm push on Fred McGriff. I think Bond's going to make it. I think Clemens is going to make it. I think Albert Bell's not going to make it. I think Mattingly's not going to make it, but he's still a good card, a good guy to collect. McGriff, I'm just not sure he's ever going to have anybody that's so enthusiastic about him. They talk about his, his, uh, the, he was a champion with the Braves, and, but he was one of the stars. There were plenty of great players on the Braves when they won. Dale Murphy, a sentimental favorite. I realize now, and it just was when putting this together, from 19, he was, his MVP standing, he came in second in 1980, didn't place in 81. Then 82 and 83, both, he won MVP of the National League. 84, he dropped down to ninth. That's still respectable. 85, he was seventh. 86, he was 21st. And then 87, he was 11th. So that's an eight-year run. To me, he should make the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's going to make it because he sat back. And I think his likability is probably used against him because he was a nice guy. But it points out why he was on the cover of the baseball magazine in the first issue that with along with Roberto Clemente. I wanted a current player. I didn't want it just to be considered a, a vintage kind of thing, even though I love vintage. But the price guide covered from old stuff all the way up through the new stuff. Dale Murphy in fall, in summer and fall of 84, when I was putting this stuff together, he was the double reigning MVP of the National League. So, and this is before Gooden, before Clemens, before Mattingly. They emerged in 84, 85, 86. But Murphy was already there. And I think that was a better reason than just his popularity is that he was reigning. He was Rafi Amaro, same deal. He had a, maybe a 10 year run of being in MVP consideration, but most of them, I'm not going to list them all. Most of them are, he's in the second 10. He always was a good player, always was a feared hitter and a stylish first baseman as well. He made every, he just had a sweet swing. Ball jumped off his bat. Now we realize why, except that the earlier years, the early nineties, he was a really good player. And unless you want to peel back the uh, PED era back to 1990, Rafael Palmeiro was a really good player. Then finally, Kurt Schilling. He's got criticisms of his politics. He clearly was a late bloomer. I didn't realize he had started out as a reliever. 
but he was really clutch. You could see his record in the postseason. That If he gets in the Hall of Fame, it'll be because of that, because when the going was tough, he was somebody you could really count on. And, uh, and that's what the managers know. The best managers know who the players are that perform better under pressure. That's why pinch hitters come in. That's why relief pitchers come in, that the best managers can tell that, uh, that this guy is, is uh, for the moment. And uh, Kurt Schilling was that. And that's why Pete Rose betting on baseball is problematic. Uh, managers know who, you can look at the data, but uh, the managers know who, who performs well under pressure. And if you do, that's the kind of people you want in the postseason in the in the uh, in those moments. So, at any rate, let's see. The man in the house who calls-